Welcome to A Church in the City, a podcast sharing messages, sermons, and talks from downtown Christian Church in Grand Rapids, Michigan. We exist to empower a movement of passionate Jesus followers. We hope that this word can encourage you and strengthen your relationship with God. Thanks for joining us. Today is Palm Sunday. It's the day that we celebrate Jesus coming into Jerusalem, the King, the Messiah the long-awaited one. And as Shauna pointed out, he rode in on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Interesting. We'll get into some of that. To stay on theme this morning, I I feel I need to be a little transparent as well, Um, which thank you everyone who shared your heart, yourself. This morning was, this was just such a powerful time already and and uh, I told Jamie about six weeks ago, we were sitting in the living room and just talking one night, and, and I said, you know, I think I've probably got about 30 good years cranking, really cranking. About 30, that puts me to 75, I'd probably slow down around that. Just a fuzz. Slow down just a little bit. Maybe take it from a 10 to a 7. Norma said no. Okay, well, okay, Norma, whatever you say. But if I got 30 years and I've been doing this, really kind of stepping into some leadership roles for about 10 years now, and I pretty much stink at it. And it's the realization that I am not where I want to be. It's the realization that if I started at a zero, maybe I'm a one or a two today. And I'm not trying to beat on myself or anything like that. I'm just being honest. This is how I feel. And I know who I am in Christ. And I know what God's called me to do. And I know my place in this world. So I'm not trying to beat on myself. I'm not feeling bad. I'm being honest. I feel like I'm a two most days. So I said, if it takes me 10 years to get from a zero to a two, and I only got 30 years left, that's not going to cut it. So I got to figure out how to get fast-tracked. I got to figure out how to fast-track growth, right? And this is me. I'm, I'm a strategy guy. I'm a process guy. I think about stuff like that, and I'm, you know, try to figure it out. And, and God pulls me up short on that sort of stuff all the time because it's very easy for me to get, get to a place of, you know, self-reliance and, and all of this other stuff when I get into that, that mode. And so I just started to pray. And I just started to say, Lord, what does it look like for me to really grow? And I've had so many words in the last you know, year or so, and so many people have spoken over me and over my life about learning to lead from the heart and all of this stuff. And it's, it's been so deep and so profound, and yet I feel like I've merely scratched the surface of it. And so the Lord led me into some, some situations, some relationships with, with, some, with some friends and some different things and, and things that I'm reading and listening to and all this other stuff. And I've learned, I'm learning, I'm starting to discover the fact that my biggest problem is that my heart is not at peace in a lot of areas. And I know that's a lot of what was spoken this morning, is that we, we constantly live with hearts at war. We're constantly living with hearts at war over 
whether it's a hurt or whether it's a, a relationship that didn't work out or whether it's something that we had a hope or a dream or something that we believed that God was in and we were going in that direction and all of a sudden we felt like the rug got pulled out from underneath us for whatever reason. Wounded expectations, disappointments, violations from other people. These things cause us to live with hearts at war. But here's the thing. The life we are living is not for us. It's not for God either. Because he doesn't need anything from you. He is fully sufficient in and of himself. He wants you, that's for sure. But he doesn't need anything from you. So if this life that we are living is not for us, and it's not for God, then it must be for others. It must be for the world around us. But here's the irony. If we're living with a heart at war with the world around us, we will find it very difficult to live for the world around us. There's this saying I like, I heard it from a friend of mine, and the more and more I meditate on it and pray about it, the, the deeper it gets. But living with a heart at peace is truly to live as if we have nothing to prove, nothing to lose, and nothing to hide. Proverbs 14.30 says, a heart at peace gives life to the body. In Philippians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul writes, he says, he talks, he's talking about casting your cares, right? He's talking about casting your anxieties. He's talking about giving the things that you're worried about to God. He says, he says when you do this, then the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. See, living at peace is a really, 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 really important thing. Because if we're here for others, it's a good song. Hosanna. It's a really good song. Where were you on that one, Isaiah? Where are you? Sorry, um, a heart at peace. Peace, peace. It's elusive, though. It's elusive. It's, it seems like something that we lose so quickly, and yet you can't really lose peace. Because it's part of the character of the Holy Spirit who's in you.
It's part of the fruit that's supposed to be coming through you from him, right? So you can't really lose peace. What happens is we lose sight of it. We start to war. We get caught up in the things that we don't understand. We get to a place where I love Caleb's honesty, and thank you for that so much, dude. That was amazing. We get to this place where we're literally, because we're trying to process through and we don't understand the things that we're going through, we get angry. We get angry with God. And yet, if we get angry with God, I can assure you, and I know, Caleb, I love what you're saying, God is, God is drawing you deep. When we're in that place and we don't understand, he's drawing us deep. He's drawing us deep into his presence. So, yeah, I agree, his love is big enough to shoulder all of that stuff and all of your confusion and all of your hurt and all of your questions. Bring them to the right place. Bring them to the Father. Go into his arms. Bring them where they belong and say, God, can I just sit with you? And you know, I've found in my life that I don't oftentimes get the answers that I want from God. He doesn't usually explain things to me in the way that I would really like him to. I can only imagine that that's probably for my good. Because he's always good. And by the way, your story, your story, the one you're in right now, if it's not good yet, He's not done yet. That was free. All right, listen. Peace. A heart at peace. This is interesting to me. I read this yesterday. It's from Matthew Henry. He said, when Christ died, he left a will in which he gave his soul to his father, his body to Joseph of Arimathea, his clothes to the soldiers, his mother to John. But to his disciples, who had left all to follow him, he left not silver or gold, but something far better. Peace. My peace I give to you, if you remember heart at peace. Jesus, Jesus is the perfect picture, right? He always is. He's the perfect picture of a heart at peace. He's the perfect picture of nothing to prove, nothing to lose, and nothing to hide. Jesus is fully and completely at peace with his identity, with his mission, and with his place in the world. But so many times we struggle with these things. We struggle. We become, we're searching to understand who we are. We're searching to understand what God is calling us to do. We're searching to understand how we fit. We get confused and, and then terrible things happen. Then it gets even worse because all of a sudden our, our understanding of our mission is shaken. Because if this is really what God's called me to do, then that wouldn't have happened. That's not how it works, friends. Stuff happens. 
Listen to this story from the book of Matthew. This is Matthew chapter 4. It says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry. After, I mean, seriously, he lasted 40 days, then he became hungry? Dude. I've been up for, you know, four hours and I'm hungry right now. So the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Then the devil took him into the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, if you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus said to him, On the other hand, it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, go, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and began to minister to him. If you are the Son of God. You think about these three temptations, and I think they're constructed to challenge the heart of the three things that I just mentioned Jesus' identity, Jesus' mission, and his place in the world. And yet he's not even slightly shaken. I mean, he's got to be kind of hangry by now. I mean, right? I don't know about you, but I get a bit irritable if I haven't eaten. I heard that. He's not even shaken, not even slightly shaken. And yet for us, for me, maybe not you, you guys probably have this stuff all well in hand. But for me, I'm so quickly shaken in my identity, in my mission, and in my place in the world. It's crazy how fast, how fast I lose sight of who he says I am. And I know we just spent seven weeks talking about identity. And man, it was so rich. And small groups were so good. I don't know if anybody else had that experience, but I know I did. And yet, it's still so easy to forget. It's still so easy to believe the lie that says, if you are really called to be his, if you're really a saint, if you're really a son, if you're really a daughter, if you're really who he says you are, You wouldn't be doing that. 
that wouldn't be happening to you. You'd be further along. Nothing to prove, nothing to lose, nothing to hide. We spend so much of our energy trying to convince the people around us that we're worth something. We spend so much energy trying to convince God that we're worth something. We spend so much energy trying to convince ourselves that we're worth something. We spend so much time, so much mental energy, so much of our day, so much of our emotional capital is spent on trying to hold on trying to keep up a facade, trying to show up to church and say, we're doing great when we're hurting on the inside. All this stuff this morning, was it was amazing. It was so beautiful because it was honest. It was real. What does it look like to really live as the authentic version of you? Because there's only one authentic version of you, and it's right there. And God made you, and God has created you with a purpose, with a plan, with a destiny, and it is for the world around you. It is for this city. It is for your family. It is for your workplace. It is for your school. It is for the world. It is for the government. It is for all of the things that are outside of you. And yet, if we're spending all of this time and emotion and energy and everything else trying to hold on to something or trying to prove that we're something that, that we think we need to be, that we need to be seen as this. Because if I'm not seen as this, then something about me is not valuable or worth it. Friends, I'm undone. And I'm so happy about it. My heart is so full of joy at the idea that I don't have to live with facades, that I don't have to live at war with the people around me to try to hang on to anything, to try to manufacture things, to try to stir things up, to try to prove something to the people around me. I'm so full of joy at this idea, and yet I'm telling you, this is very, very new territory for me, and so I just want to continue to invite you into this space as well because there's freedom. There's freedom in being at peace. There's freedom. And not just freedom, it's, it's freedom that actually begets freedom. Like anything else in the kingdom, it's not a one and done. It's a gift that's given, that keeps on giving. And if we're walking in it and we're really pressing into it, I believe that it's multiplication. 
Listen to this. This is from Matthew in 21. When they had approached Jerusalem and had come to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you. And immediately you'll find a donkey tied there and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say the Lord has need of them. And immediately he will send them. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did just as Jesus had instructed them and brought the donkey and the colt and laid their coats on them, and he sat on their coats. Most of the crowd spread their coats in the road, and others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them in the road, the crowds going ahead of him. And those who followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. So this happened on Sunday. And then on Friday, that same crowd shouted, crucify him. Strange turn of events. Think about this for a minute. Between Sunday and Friday, just read this little list I put together. Between Sunday and Friday, Jesus did a bunch of really, really strange things. Started by riding into town on a donkey with a group of fishermen and social outcasts instead of on a war horse with an army. From there, he goes to the temple, and he drove influential people out of the temple with a whip, flipped over tables, and caused a huge fuss. Then he cursed a tree so that it withered and died for no apparent good reason. Then he won multiple battles of wit with the religious leaders over all sorts of things. Authority, the law, the scriptures, the nature of the Christ, all kinds of stuff. He addressed the crowds multiple times, but he spoke in ways that they hardly could understand because he spoke in parables. He delivered multiple scathing rebukes toward the religious leaders of the day. He prophesied the destruction of the city, tribulation for the people, his return in glory, and the coming judgment. He ate supper with men who would within hours either betray or abandon him and even wash their feet. 
he knowingly walked into a trap set by one of his closest friends, which he knew would lead to his horrible torture and death, and even healed one of his enemies who was injured in the melee. He willingly subjected himself to arrest, torture, and an excruciating death by crucifixion. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. In a matter of six days. That's a full week. That's a dude living at 11. High octane. I mean, how odd. So many peculiar things. Things that if your best friend was to sit down with you and say, hey, I'm about to do this. What do you think? You'd be like, bro, you lost it. You lost it. Don't do that. That's a terrible idea. Does this seem like a man who was concerned with striving for identity? Searching to understand himself or who he was? Was this a man who was desperate to hold on to anything up to and including his own reputation and even his own life? Was this a man at odds with the world around him, trying to stay at the top or climb some sort of ladder? This is Jesus, fully at peace in his heart, fully at peace with his identity, fully at peace with his mission, and fully at peace with his place in the world, living with nothing to prove, nothing to lose, and nothing to hide. Friends, I want to tell you today that you can live in that space too. And I know you're thinking, nah. But I'm telling you, I mean it. You can live in that space too. And not only can you live in that space, but you're called to live in that space. You're called to live in that space of being at peace because your identity, your mission, and your place in the world are secure because they're guaranteed outside of you. See, that's the beautiful thing about this gospel. That's the beautiful thing about this good news is all of this stuff, who you are, what you're called to do, how you're called to fit into the world around you, it's guaranteed outside of you. Your life is hidden in Christ. It's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. In this life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who gave himself up for me. These things are completely guaranteed 
outside of yourself. The trouble is we lose sight of that. The trouble is we get wrapped up in the lie of self-sufficiency. The trouble is we get to a place where we have to hang on to it. We have to fabricate it. We have to muster it up. We have to show the world around us that we are who God says we are. Amen. Live in it. Live the authentic life that he's called you to. Amen. Yes, do that. But don't do it to prove anything to anyone. Do it because it's what's natural. Do it because it's coming out of you. Do it because you're free. See, because if you live with something to prove, you're living in bondage. If you live with something to hide, you're living in bondage. If you're living with something to lose, you're living in bondage to those earthly constructs. And that's not where you're called to live, friends. You're called to live with a heart at peace. Jesus is the ultimate picture of someone living with a heart at peace, at peace with his identity, at peace with his mission, at peace with his place in the world around him. In him, we see no striving, no desperate holding on, no warring with the people around him. This is a man who truly lived with nothing to prove, nothing to lose, and nothing to hide. Band can come. I want to leave you with a couple of questions. As we go through this week and you remember some of these things that I've talked about, even on Friday, we gather together and worship together. As we go through this Weak, and we remember the things that Jesus did. Put them in this context. But let me ask you this. What if we really believed what God says about who we are? What if we really believed what God says about what we're called to do? Friends, what if we really believed what God says about our place in this world? What if we really, really believed it? Let's stand to our feet and pray. Father, we love you. Father, you're good. Father, you're good. You're so good. You're so amazing. Lord, you're You're nothing but good. God, I just pray, Lord, for myself, for all of these wonderful folks this morning. Just pray for us, Lord God, that you would continue to draw us deeper into this place of peace. Draw us deeper into this place of living with hearts at peace, Lord, with nothing to prove, nothing to lose, nothing to hide, God, because we're fully and completely in your hands, all this stuff, our identity, our mission, our place in this world is guaranteed by you. You said it. And as was said already this morning, Lord, we know that you are faithful to complete the good things that you start. 
So Lord, this thing that you've started in us, God, we just pray that you would complete it. Draw us deeper. Lord, draw us deeper. Draw us deeper. Draw us deeper. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about DCC, get involved in one of our ministries, or give to support us, you can find us at achurchinthecity.org. You can also follow us on Instagram at Downtown Christian Church for Sunday morning set lists, sermon series announcements, and much more. You can also join us live on YouTube every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern. Just search for Downtown Christian Church. Thank you for listening.